Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hour number two of Fantasy Sports today. Craig and Joe back with you. We uh, talk about the passing of legend Kobe Bryant. The top story in all of sports and all of news today, just what he meant to sports and what he meant to both reality and fantasy and life in general. A lot to get to here on the show with him, as well as some fantasy baseball discussion. Of course, the Super Bowl coming up this Sunday. Fantasy Sports Today, Hour 2 starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It is Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia with you here on the show as we've got you until 2 o'clock Eastern. And uh, no doubt there's a lot happening uh, in the world of sports, but nothing is bigger than the passing of Kobe Bryant. And I think at this point, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of sinking in, I think, for a lot of us, Joe. But there's no doubt that when you look back and you look about all the things that he accomplished, a lot of the discussion is is uh, his family, and a lot of discussion is his about his uh, daughter, who he, you know, really, uh, you know, was proud of. You, you saw a video of him recently with her at a Brooklyn Nets game, sitting on the sideline, and he was flying to go coach his daughter too, who looked like had a bright future in basketball as well. It's very sad. Yeah, it's 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 horrible. It's horrible for the Bryant family. It's horrible for uh, all the families that lost loved ones in this. And um, it's it's you know. It, you know, you're trying to process it all and trying to understand, you know, why. And and I guess I guess at the end, you know, it's 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 all of our ends. It's just happens different times and sooner for some people, and unfortunately in ways that are very shocking. Um, but I think you look back at the life of Kobe Bryant and the career of Kobe Bryant and separate those two things too. I think the life is more important than the career. And that's saying something because the career is incredible. And when you look at the career of Kobe Bryant, it's hard to imagine what he didn't accomplish. This was a guy who came in the league as a can't miss prospect, didn't miss a guy who went, you know, straight in. You know, we're also in that era too, where we forget, you know, the guys like Garnett and LeBron and, and Kobe who went straight into the NBA and how difficult that was and how good they were. And this was a guy too. Let's not forget represented our country 2008, 2012 gold medalist. I mean, this is a guy that, uh, you know, won the slam dunk competition. You know, it was a guy who had, uh, who played good defense. He was three-time, uh, you know, a defensive player, uh, second team. Uh, he was a player that was a prolific scorer. I think when you look back at the Kobe Bryant career, he was one of those prolific scorers that took over games, a uh, five-time NBA championship, two-time finals MVP, 18-time All-Star. Let that sink in for a second, right, Craig? 18-time All-Star. It's funny. He only won MVP in 2008. That's the only time. It's kind of odd, right? <laughs> what do you think? You know, and I guess early in his career, he got, you know, slighted because he played with Shaquille O'Neal. So it's difficult to outshine the big man sometimes, but uh, nine time NBA, all defensive first team, three time uh, second team. I mean, just a, a, one of the greatest careers in sports, not just the NBA, but I think in sports and, you know, it's just sad because at 41 years old, I think he had a lot to bring still to the game. 
And I think that's the thing you're going to miss now. I mean, the fact that his career was over as an ambassador of the game, you're missing what Magic Johnson did, what, what Michael Jordan did, what a lot of these guys did afterwards. So, um, yeah, it's it's very difficult. I'm for like I said, 41 years old myself, learning this news coming back from a basketball game with my daughter. So it was very surreal. I guess is the only um, only thing I can say to it. If Craig, when you think about Kobe Bryant, what's the what's the first thing that pops in your head? What, what are the moments or those things that you look at him as a star? As you said earlier, in hour one, what is it when you think about Kobe Bryant that hits you first impactfully? Uh, the fact that he was 18 and came into the NBA like that, yeah. that that is what I remember the most, because at the time that was like sort of unheard of. The only other play, player that had done that, if I'm not mistaken, was Kevin Garnett. And yeah, when Kobe came in, it was like, you know, this was pre LeBron. So everybody was just so enamored with what he could end up being. And, and man, he, he, you know, I remember watching his first game and a lot of wild shooting, I think, also, if I'm not mistaken, at the beginning, missing a lot of shots, but then came back and ended up having even a great first game. So. Yeah, his career phenomenal, but I remember covering sports at the time, being locked into the first game that he ever played. So, yeah, there's no doubt that that will be part of it. And now, of course, you know, hearing the stories about his, uh, about you know, his losing his daughter to there, and of course the uh, baseball coach Al Tabelli who was involved in it. it's just a sad story all around for sure. Um, uh, we'll we'll talk about some football also uh, coming up and um, some baseball as well. Updating a story that we talked about previously on the show. It looks like Nick Castellanos and the Cincinnati Reds do, in fact, have a multi-year deal. So that is being reported by The Athletic as being done. And so uh, now, Joe, uh, especially with it being a multi-year deal, this definitely enhances his value. I think the Reds have a fantastic offense adding this guy. What their defense is going to look like, I'm not really sure. But someone has got to be the odd man out in the offense for for the Reds at this point. And so those early drafts on Aquino or maybe Winker, um, definitely have to be someone in question right now because Castellanos, no doubt, is going to play every single day for that team in left field. Yeah, I think in redraft leagues, you drop all those those guys down uh, a significant peg because Akiyama's going to play and Castellanos is going to play. They got money wrapped in That's those guys. Sure. Yeah. So it, but I'm not an Aquino guy. If I had to pick, I still think Senzel is the guy I put my money on. You're right. Winker splits, as you mentioned in the, uh, in the first hour of the show, are not good. And Winker's been one of these guys, too, that I thought was going to eventually figure it out and become a very nice, steady OBP guy who could, you know, make good contact. He might not have the highest power ceiling, but it would be a productive kind of player, you know, like a 2080 kind of guy. And he just hasn't, hasn't developed into that. Maybe he needs a change of scenery. Maybe that'll happen. I'm sure there's some teams that are recalling the Reds about Senzel and Winker for sure. See if they can peel them away on the cheap, but you know, maybe this is an opportunity. Maybe we look at it the other way to in, in dynasty leagues to buy shares of Senzel because it is on the cheap. And he was one of these guys that I would argue, like I said, that, um, we would have expected him already at the age of 25 to become something in the major leagues. Injuries have derailed that. But in terms of landing spots for Castellanos, it's a great one. Um, that lineup in the middle of that order now is going to be Castellanos. It's going to be Suarez. It's going to be Mustakis. They are for real. The pitching staff is, I think, better than people realize. Um, Sonny Gray and Castillo at the top. Trevor Bauer is the unknown. Trevor Bauer, I think, is if you're going to look at the Reds roster right now and you're going to point to one thing. What's the thing that's going to make or break the Reds? My money would be on Trevor Bauer. Do you think that's a hot take or do you think that's true? I mean, that's that's part of it. Their pitching as a whole is, is going to be part of it. I mean, Gray has to come back and be who we think he's going to be. I mean, there's no doubt that the pitching is the key because their hitting is outstanding. Uh, I mean, their hitting really stacks up with almost anybody in the league, let alone their division. And Senzel had a shoulder issue, I think, also, too, at the end of last year. So they can... Slow him down if they need to. Uh, you know, Aquino had that magical run, but I mean, it's not a hot take. I, I think it's the reality of the Red situation is that they are loaded on offense. 
and their pitching is the thing that's going to be questionable. But, but, but more important, he's the, but he's the guy, Craig, that can go from being he can be as bad as, as any pitcher in the big leagues one night and as good as any pitcher in the big leagues the other night. And which Trevor Bauer you get in 2020, for the most part, I think is going to be the difference of whether this team becomes a, a team that wins the division or is competing for a wild card. Because if Trevor Bauer is the best Trevor Bauer he can be that we've seen with the Indians a few times, my goodness, that is a very formidable one, two, three, potentially in that division. And you could argue the best three in that division for sure. So, you know, to me, it's it's about Trevor Bauer being the breaking point for the Cincinnati Reds. And I think that's something we should all pay very close attention on. I don't think I, <laughs> I, I don't know, I have some hesitation with Trevor Bauer. But is that a fantasy asset that you are going to be investing in and taking some chances? I don't like any. I don't. That division to me is just deadly. Playing there and playing in Milwaukee, I, I tend to stay away from those pitchers. I just it's it's too difficult. And, and now the matchups offensively, even with the Cubs, is very tough. So, um, all right, let's uh, take a quick timeout. We come back. It's time to dive into some Super Bowl props. Uh, we'll hit on Jimmy G's Super Bowl props. Figure that's a good way to start. We'll be back after this. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Fantasy Sports Today. And I like football. And I'm going to keep doing them both because they make me feel good. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe back here with you. The Super Bowl is coming on Sunday. And what we thought probably today would be a huge march toward the Super Bowl. Usually this is like the first big day where we start to really put it into focus. Uh, because of the passing of Kobe Bryant, it really has taken a significant backseat. Um, we did have some baseball news today, Nick Castellano signing with the Cincinnati Reds. And so we'll dive into that also tomorrow on the show. Um, but let's, uh, as promised, as I promised on Friday, I want to make sure that we cover some of these Super Bowl props as the week goes on. Today we'll do Jimmy G. Tomorrow we'll do uh, Pat Mahomes and take a look at these. Now, the Westgate uh, Super Bowl put these out uh, last Thursday for the general public. And so these are ones that you can bet in Las Vegas. And then if you want to do it and you're living in a city that doesn't have this, you probably have to either go online somewhere or find these on one of your favorite websites. Let's just put it that way, because that's essentially the only way that I could describe it other than me giving you specific books where you can actually bet them. So uh, these are the ones specifically want to make sure that I say it correctly, specifically as it pertains to the Westgate. So if you are hearing us break these down and then you're going on and looking at your own personal book, there is a chance that these numbers are different. All right, so Jimmy Garoppolo, um, really a bit of a wild card, I think, going into the Super Bowl. Not really sure what he's going to do because he's had some great games this season. He's had some poor games this season. And then if evidence of anything like the last game, they would love for him to only throw 10 passes and win the game somehow running the ball. I don't know that that will be the case against the Chiefs, but stranger things have happened. Uh, let's start off with his passing yards in the Super Bowl uh, Sunday. His total, Joe, is set at 239.5 passing yards. Which way would you lean here? This is interesting because we're talking about going back in the regular season and looking at game logs and 10 times he went over this mark. Okay. And the times where he didn't, it was against a Tampa defense that I think 
well, you'll look back on it, was very good stopping the run and then kind of made Jimmy G throw the ball. Uh, the Baltimore defense in that very sloppy game and a few other ones like Washington, some other defenses that <clears throat> when we look at retrospect, they're like, yeah, you know, they're, they weren't so bad defensively. They had either able to get to the quarterback or either able to stop the run and, and make Jimmy G do other things. Then we get into the playoffs and he hasn't hit this number combined yet in the two playoff games. So I'm worried about this because it seems like the formula that they're going with here in the playoffs, and maybe it's because it was against the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers, and they just want to, you know, run, run, run. But if you're trying to be Patrick Mahomes, you have to eat up clock. You have to, as, as he scores so fast, Patrick Mahomes, that I feel like you are crazy. If you don't commit to the run, I would go under this number because I think the temptation is to look at, the game log and look at and say, ah, oh, well, that's kind of his, his average or, you know, somewhere around there. He's had so many times we went over it. Yeah, that's easy. But if you look at what's happening in the trend and look at the game plan, if you're game planning and you're the 49ers, I don't think you're winning this game because you're, you know, letting Jimmy Garoppolo handle the load. You're winning this game because he's managing the clock and he's handing the ball off. So I'm going to go under here, Craig. How do you feel about this number? I'm going to go over because I think that that's the only way that the game can stay competitive for uh, for San Francisco. I, I just don't see that. Do you? That is that what you think? That's the only way you don't think it stays more competitive by actually just trying to ground and pound this to death. Here I don't know that that's going to. I don't know that that's going to work. I don't know that that's going to work. I mean, the total is set so high in this game, and that's the, always what I look to first: the Vegas total, and it's just so high. What's the total at right now for that game? The fifties. It's like mid fifties. It's like one of the highest Super Bowl totals ever. So, I mean, could Vegas be that wrong? Where this thing is twenty points off? I don't think so. So, um, and I don't think that that's happening on the ground. And maybe look, maybe it is. Maybe maybe this is what San Francisco has found. They found the recipe for success with that fantastic offensive line, and they just pound the ball. But you know, eventually it, it runs out. I mean, Derrick Henry's time ran out too. So, uh, and and that. But this is no indication as to which uh, side I would take. It's just looking at the total. I do think that this goes over uh, 239 and a half. Uh, how about his completions? Um, we want to do completions or pass attempts first. Let's do pass attempts first. Okay. 20, 29 and a half pass attempts. See, this one I could go under a little. I, I could see an under here. This one I feel a little bit more comfortable with. Yeah, this is another one too. You go back and look at the regular season game log. You're seeing 27, 25, 32, 29, 33. He's kind of hovering in this. And then there's a patch in the middle of the season where he's at 37, 46, 45. And... Then it comes back down to the 27, 21, 22. So you're starting to, to get that. Now, again, let's the, let's the last one. He's got 27 combined in the last two games. Now, I understand that last game against the Green Bay Packers. That game got out of hand right away. You could say the game script is just, hey, sit on the lead and, and don't, don't blow it. And that's fair. That's totally fair. 29 and a half, I think, is very close. I'm going to go the over on this, but I still think that that passing game, I think the yard is going to be limited because they don't attack the ball downfield. They don't, they don't throw the ball deep all that much. They're a team that consistently throws slants over the middle to everybody. They attack the middle of field constantly. They try to expose the linebackers. So I'm going to go over on the attempts by a little bit, but I'm still going to stick with under on the yardage. So are you going over on the attempts? You said yes, right? Uh, no, I'll go under on the attempts. Okay. Yeah. yeah I'll go the opposite. Um, how about completions? 19 and a half. <sighs> a really good number i would i would pass this because i think that's like spot on personally how about you craig this is, this is a tougher one for me yeah i don't feel great about this either one yeah i feel like it's probably I, I would lend to say over he's only gone under that number one two three four five times this year so i mean that's a two to one 
that he goes over that just historically speaking in terms of like what they do that I just feel like it's going to be right there. You know, like that's the, the line feels like, you know, 20 for 30 for <laughs> you know, like 20 for 32 or something like that. That, that feels like the Garoppolo line to me. Okay. Let's go to uh Russian yards. How about this? Three and a half rushing yards. <laughs> uh, well, this, that's a fluky one, right? I mean, right. Is, is that not the right thing to, to think about here? The fluke of it? I mean, he's, how do, how do you bet this? I he mean, doesn't run. He doesn't run. So, so I mean, he'd have to basically run get once. flush from the pocket yeah. once. And, you yeah. know, I mean, I would take a shot on the over. Why not? I guess. I guess the, the money's into the over, right? <laughs> you know, I, I would take a shot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, give him a not shot. only that, not only that, but if he rushes once, just like it gets two yards and then he rushes it in from the one, you know, I mean, that's one yard. I mean, it's, he's going to have to scrape it out, but I, I would probably take a shot on the over here. Yeah, I okay. You convinced me. Let's do it. Let's I mean, we're looking at Jimmy G here today. That's the whole focus. Uh, oh, longest know. rush of two and a half. I would go under that. That I really, I feel like don't you have to go over if like if he's going to go no. over, it's going to be on like a six yard run. Like he scampers out and and makes that one play. No, he'll go. He'll rush once for two yards and then two more one yard runs. <laughs> I got it all mapped no out. Fun. I've seen I've seen the game in advance. I love that. I love that. About That's you. not the did you talk to the snow cone guy? Is that how you got the future? He told me, yeah. Snow cone guy. What kind of snow cone did you get, by the way? Shaved ice. It's actually shaved okay, ice. Okay, so the shaved ice. All right, so the sha- what kind of shaved ice did you get? Did cherry, you get? strawberry, whatever. I don't know. What, what, what do you, whatever? You don't know. It just was yesterday. Cherry, blueberry. I don't get that. My son gets it, and I just have what's left over. That's it. Oh, you don't get your own? Nah. nah. You just let him get it, and you sit there and watch him eat it? Yes. Why don't you get one? Because I don't, I'm not really interested. But he this, has this, it, and, and whatever he, and whatever's left, I have a couple scoops, and that's it. This feels like a, a curb your enthusiasm conversation. Which, by the way, I did watch the season opener of this last one. Oh my god, I laughed so hard. I it was very funny. Yeah, I, I heard, <laughs> there was a <laughs> there was a couple of scenes there where I was by myself laughing hysterically out loud. Which yeah, so uh, great. I hope yeah. it can live up to that first episode. Cause that's, and I, here's uh, spoiler alert. It, it does not. <laughs> well, here's all I'm going to say. I went back and I started watching some of the other seasons that I had missed. So I watched the one where they took the family in. I hadn't seen that one. So I've, I haven't seen it in a long time. So I have enjoyed the binge going through. But you said the season before this one that came out was not good, right? It was good, but it wasn't as good as some of the others, I thought. And, well, I thought and, la- and last night's episode was not nearly as good as the first. All right. Well, I enjoyed the first one. Let's go back to Jimmy J. Here we go. Longest completion, 37 and a half yards. Under. That feels like a tie. <laughs> 37 and a half, you know, that's some serious yak there. It feels high. It's it not going to be on Jimmy G's around. arm. I'll tell you right now, that ain't happening. Yeah. I'll go under also. Uh, total touchdown passes, one and a half. Uh, I'm going to go the under here. No, I got to go over on this. going to go over on this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, distance of Jimmy Garoppolo's first touchdown, 10 and a half yards under. I would go over on this too. Yeah. Go, yeah. I would go over on that too. The chiefs make a mistake here or there. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, those are Jimmy G's props. Not the most scintillating ones. No, I mean, geez, you know, I'm glad we're starting at the bottom. I can't wait to see the Mahomes. Well, I just, I, I know that a lot of people aren't even focused on this today. So I wanted to knock him out. But yeah, Patrick Mahomes <laughs> will do tomorrow. And then we'll go through the running backs and the receivers. But coming up next, more fantasy baseball discussion. We'll talk about the finishes in the second half for some fantasy pitchers. Don't go away. Are 
Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com Optimizer and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS. Plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with the promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com slash DUNK to learn more. That's DailyRoto.com slash DUNK, DailyRoto.com. That is where millionaires are made. And welcome back to the show. Uh, dedicating our show today, of course, to the life of Kobe Bryant, who tragically passed away at the age of 41 yesterday, along with his daughter, Gianna, and uh, several others in a uh, plane crash. And we honor the lives of all of those here over on SportsGrid and uh, here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network today, for sure. Go back and listen on demand. Joe and I talk quite a bit about it. We will continue to as the week goes on. Let's move uh, to some baseball discussion as uh you know, kind of when you get into that fantasy football talk, you, you you forget about some things that happened during the fantasy baseball season. I'm not usually one of those. I'm usually paying pretty close attention right down to the end. September is a tough, tough month, I think, for a lot of folks. And that's why it's good to go back and kind of take a look and see what happened. But in general, Joe, there were some pretty awful performances from pitchers who had pretty solid starts to their season, which you could really go with a number of different ways. Are they getting older? Are they breaking down? Was it just an anomaly that they had a bad second half? And so how do you judge performances of players that really didn't do the same thing in the second half as they did in the first? Well, I mean, this is the difficult part because whenever you start scouting for the previous season, there's players that you don't own shares of, right? I mean, not everybody had Mike Miner or some other guys like that, but you might look at stats and you go, oh, this guy had a really good year. And you just look at the overalls and you don't do the homework getting into the splits and not just, you know, whether it be the hitters, lefty, righty splits, but also the first half, second half splits, which I think are always huge, especially with pitchers, because when you see a pitcher who has two consistent halves of a season, I think what you're seeing is a pitcher who is a guy that you really want in your fantasy rotation. And some guys, I think you can look at some overall numbers or overall body of work of a pitcher and like their fantasy value. But if you didn't own them last year, you might have missed out on some of these second half finishes that were not very good. And to start, one of them is a guy we were just talking about who I really think is going to be a make or break guy for this Reds team because and and more of a make guy like they might be able to survive and still be a really competitive team. But if Trevor Bauer improves on what happened last year in the second half, you're looking at a very formidable Reds team. But Trevor Bauer last year in his last 14 starts, 81 innings, you did strike out 104 guys. That's what you want from Trevor Bauer. But he had a 5.89 ERA. And usually, Craig, when you move from the American League to the National League, no DH. I understand Great American Ballpark is a tough ballpark. I get it. But not all 14 starts were, <laughs> were in that ballpark. My goodness, a 5.89 ERA. That is unmanageable. That's almost something that gets bounced from a rotation there. So Trevor Bauer also giving up one hit per nine. Not necessarily where you want to be either. 
The whip was at 137. So I'm looking at Trevor Bauer as a very dicey fantasy asset for this year. I think this is a guy that could potentially not just break the Reds, but also break fantasy teams as well. Did you realize he was this bad in the second half? Yeah, I did. I didn't have him, but I did. Um, very, very big disappointment. There's no question. I don't know. I mean, it just it seems like that ballpark, th- that and Milwaukee, that ballpark and uh, Milwaukee's ballpark seem impossible to beat. It seems like they're impossible to pitch in. I, I mean, I don't know if they're Coors Field or whatever it is, but you go to Milwaukee, you go to Cincinnati, and I have, I've had players tell me this before. Like, we have this whole uh, sign-stealing thing going on. I've had players tell me it's almost as like they know what's coming. Like, it's just so hard to keep the ball in the ballpark there. Um, I remember going to the uh, Home Run Derby in 2015, going to the All-Star Game in Cincinnati. I went there. Um that was the first trip I had ever made there, and it's and it is true that ball just it's just whatever the trajectory or whatever's going on with the wind stream, it just flies out of there. I think Bauer is an intelligent guy, clearly. I mean, some people would say the opposite, but I would say that he's an intelligent guy when it comes to pitching, and I do believe that eventually he will figure this out. But uh, you can't have that kind of swing and miss like Bauer has, Joe, with the K per nine, and not get better. So I would think that he'll be better, but I am concerned that it is still going to be a struggle for him and everybody else in Cincinnati to pitch there. Yeah, I would agree. Our another one too, when you look at the overall body of work of Mike Miner, it's pretty good. In fact, this was one that when researching the black book that surprised me because I did not own any shares of Mike Miner and I saw the end of the year stats and I went, wow, you know, that guy really, what a, what a great year. And just two weeks ago or a week ago when we did this for the best finishes, Lance Lynn was on there and how great was that Lance Lynn finish? Well, Mike Miners was the opposite. Mike Miner had a 4.93 ERA over his last 14 starts, gave up 99 hits and 91 innings. That's not something you like. The strikeouts were 86 to 27, but that whip 1.38 because, again, just being very hittable in the second half. We don't know how the Texas ballpark is going to play. I think Lance Lynn is a very good asset. We talked about him last week and how happy we'd be with him. Eduardo Rodriguez, also a very strong finisher. Mike Miner could be a very dangerous asset because of this finish. Yeah, Miner is interesting because, you know, he's not a guy that throws 200 innings in a season. You know, it's it's been injuries. It's been ineffectiveness. And last year, for the most part, he did put it together overall. When we had Tom Grieve on the show, I didn't really get a strong indication one way or the other how the park is going to play. I feel better about him a little bit. I do. I feel a little bit better about him because I, I he's not a huge swing and miss guy. So I, I feel like the numbers that you saw last year are more or less real. And where he's being drafted in terms of ADP, I'm still okay with. Uh, the third guy on this list, however, is one that is is just being mismanaged to me. Um, Matt Boyd. Why do the Tigers still have Matt Boyd? Why did they not trade this guy? The Tigers are <laughs> years know. and years and years away from being competitive. I could make the case that outside of the San Francisco Giants, who are also going to be in the in years of rebuild, I think, with all these contracts, where are the assets on the Tigers? Uh, Mize and Manning. Okay, yeah, I mean, maybe, you know. But, like, they're so bereft of anything. They need to be last for three, four years to fix this thing. And by the time that Boyd gets to the end, who knows what could happen with him, Joe? And and he's an, and look, I understand still under uh, team control for a couple more years without even arbitration. But this is where you got to cash in, you know? Like, this is where you got. And they, they had a chance to do it. They did not. And then he fell apart in that second half. I'm guessing we're going to hear the same sort of trade discussions coming up this year at the deadline. They got to move this kid. They, they're not going to be winning forever. What I don't know what they're doing. They do. And this was a guy who started off the year terrific. Unbelievable. And then f- 
fell apart in the second half. I mean, maybe he was like, all right, I'm going to go. And then maybe he just got bummed out in July. <laughs> I don't know. But the last 14 starts, 5.51 ERA, a 1.38 whip. The strikeouts are still very strong. So if you're, you're talking about Boyd for just K's, 96 strikeouts in the last 78 innings, that's still very good. So I think Boyd is still a good asset. I do agree with you. You know, it's it's just what they can get. And I mean, maybe they're just holding out. They didn't get enough last year on that trade market that had Zach Greinke and, and Bumgarner didn't get dealt and some other guys. So maybe it just wasn't there. Maybe this year it will be. And who knows? I mean, it's definitely a guy to move on from. But I would take another shot at Boyd more than Mike Miner or Trevor Bauer because I think the cost and return on investment on Boyd just just for the sheer strikeouts in your season-long Roto League, I think is worth it. He comes at a very low cost compared to some of the other names on this list, especially a guy like Masahiro Tanaka, who over his last 13-star, 14-stars, I should say, had a 5-2-6 ERA, and Tanaka's strikeout rate is way down. In the last 77 innings he pitched, he had just 59 strikeouts. The whip is at 1.32. Look, Tanaka's initial run was absolutely dazzling, but... I don't think any of us would think that he's ever been the same pitcher ever since the elbow issue. And I feel like now we're getting into a very dicey situation where everybody, you know, Garrett Cole's there and, you know, Severino, and it's all just roses. But, you know, you look at the fallout from, okay, well, let's hope Severino bounces back and becomes a pitcher he was a couple years ago. Can James Paxton stay healthy? Is Tanaka falling off the map? Because this second half for Tanaka, Craig, was very scary for me. Is it equally scary for you? Yeah, I'm not taking him. Yeah, I'm not taking him. That strikeout I, decline is really, yeah, really pretty, concerning to me. It reminds me of like when Oswald dipped so significantly. That's a good one. His age. Yeah, I just I'm, I'll be I'll be off that. And, and again, I always bet against age in these spots. Like someone will always be right, and they'll say like on a Cruz or a Ortiz. I just never end up with those kind of players. Um, yeah, Lester is uh, the final one here of the decline, an ERA of almost five and a half, and a WHIP of almost. Is this right? One point seven two. Oh, it's right, Craig. Well, look yeah. at the hits. 104 hits in 77 innings. So we're looking at a guy here where I think the easiest thing you can point to is fastball decline, right? I think I think that's where we're at with Lester right now. And pay very close attention because Lester's a guy that in the last few years I've owned. And you could ride the splits a little bit. The home road splits were pretty clear. You could play matchups. But now with the fastball and decline, 104 hits in 77 innings. I don't care how good you are. If you can't, if you're that hittable, it's no good. Don't don't be fooled by the strikeout, you know, because look, he struck out 72 guys in 29 innings. He's still crafty. He's still a good pitcher, but he can't put you away and he's far too hittable. And I think we start looking at that. That's a that's a very big concern where Tanaka, Lester, some of these big names that you're used to seeing are in a position now where they can actually hurt you. And I always like to put a lot of faith in guys with track record, but I think you also have to recognize when a player is starting to really hit their serious decline. And I think a good way to do that is to look at these splits, especially with some of the older players and, and get that. And I'll tell you what, here's another one that's not on this list, but very surprising, who did not have a good second half, at least from an ERA standpoint, was actually Luis Castillo from the Reds, who was another guy who I'm a huge Luis Castillo fan, but he had a 478 ERA in the second half. He struggled at times uh, in, when he would put guys on base and that ERA just was not great. Um, Jose Barrios had a 4.64 ERA. There's some other names on here, some big name pitchers. I encourage everybody go look at those stats, go look at those ERAs because some guys that you think when you look and you're really happy and excited about these assets, the stats look good at the end of the year. But there's more when you start to study the splits that comes to light, and really you need to take into account for 2020. Yeah, age is an issue with Tanaka. Age is an issue with Lester, no doubt. I mean, yeah. you know, Lester almost reminds me a little of of like King Felix, where he's you know could be headed down that road this year. And and look, the Cubs have really made no moves. It's incredible. 
Um, yeah, I, I don't would, know what they're doing. Uh, where where are the Cubs right now? Right? I mean, are they just in full like retool? Is that? I mean, they like still I, their their team is still very good and and enough to win eighty five ninety games, but but just, their rotation is you Darvish and not much. Right? <laughs> like that's the thing I'm trying to get at. It's like you look at it, you go, okay, what are the Cubs right now? I don't know. And you Darvish, God bless him, was brilliant last year in the second half. But can we always rely on you Darvish? I don't know. That's kind of a scary thought. <laughs> All right, we'll be back with some breakout players, potential breakout players, I should say, in 2020. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe back after this. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia with you here on the show. Dr. Rota coming up at 2 o'clock Eastern. Full-time fantasy. Definitely interested in hearing his thoughts on the passing of Kobe Bryant. Turn over to Sports Grid TV for all of our great hosts discussing it throughout the day. It is the biggest story in the sports world, the biggest story in the news world going on right now. And so uh, certainly want to uh, dive into that as well. Um, Let's take a look at some potential breakout uh, performances in 2020. We've been diving into these divisions one by one, Joe. um, And now we're going to take a look at the National League West, which is not the uh, really the pinnacle of of uh, of players. That's for sure. I guess let's start from the potentially the worst to the best here. Uh, I can't really find anybody on San Francisco or Colorado. I think that'll have a huge impact in 2020. Is there, are there any names for you that could be potential breakout (laughs) players? I don't see any. It's tough. Um, uh, There's a 23 year old pitcher named Logan Webb, who I think is going to get a real opportunity. It's a guy last year who uh, went from single a to double a to triple a. And I talked about that earlier. I like when the guy's, you know, jump multiple levels in the same season. It means that they're getting it from an innings perspective. I think he's probably going, he's coming back from injury too. He only pitched just 39 innings uh, last year with uh, the big club, but overall put in 63. However, you know, I don't want to take those 39 innings at the big league level. They have five ERA and go, Oh man, he's, you know, he's crap. Cause he's not. If you go back and look at some of the other numbers here, mm-hmm. this is a guy that's got some potential. Now he's another guy that's also improving. The strikeout rate has improved quite a bit. Um, I think this is a guy that's going to at some point get an opportunity in that rotation and he could surprise you. So this is a waiver wire claim guy. Uh, it's not a guy that you're going to draft, but San Francisco right now, as you pointed out earlier, Joey Bart is not, I don't think they're going to push the Joey Bart narrative this year. You're going to get the posy one more year and then we'll figure out how to transition. Um, there's got a couple guys, Helio Ramos and a couple other guys in this division too, that, you know, you look at and you go, okay, where are these guys who we're going to play? And you're right. You know, it's, it's kind of a holding pattern for this entire division in terms of prospects with the exception of Gavin Lux, who's going to start right away, who will get to. But I think when you look at, you're trying to project the future too, and giants are going to be bad. Giants best assets, probably Samarja, maybe even Cueto. Who knows? Maybe somebody will take a shot on Johnny Cueto. 
but there's going to be openings to rotation. And I think Webb is one of the guys that could fill that. So that's that's kind of that first one there yeah, in San Francisco. I, I, yeah, I, I don't see anyone having an impact, even Webb. In yeah, 2000. well, you know, I'm this, trying this, my best here. I'm no, you got to come up everybody. with a name. No, you have to do it. Look, mm-hmm. Tyler Beatty was the name. You would put you would stick his name right instead of Logan Webb's last year, and that did not work out. He'll get another shot. Um, yeah, I just I want I want to I want to see Webb healthy, and yeah. you know, it's going a, out just, there. And it's I think just it's a flat out no for me. But I understand oh, having, fair, having, yeah. having to I'm find somebody. We got to do it. The Colorado is actually not a bad one. The Rockies, I have Brendan Rodgers. I'm going to go back in on Brendan Rodgers again. I, Where are you playing him? Do that. Uh, second base, shortstop, third okay. base. Well, not, well, not playing him shortstop. No, second, base, second base, second base, second base. <laughs> Let me stick with so second. He, yeah, he, he ain't playing short. Not he playing, playing short. He's probably not playing third. But no, that's, he, you know, TBD, a little TBD. It is TBD. The problem is, is it's such a cluster there at that position. And yeah, I agree. You know, I don't like the way that the Rockies do business with their young guys. They call them I up, don't they either. don't play them, they send them back. This has been happening for years. They got to stop that. And Rogers to me is is super talented. I've had people tell me around the league that this is going to be a star. I'm not giving up on him. I'm going to take him at some point this year. I'm, I'm but here's the funny part. Is Brendan Rogers who I initially thought of. And then I sat a little bit longer and I was like, "All right, I'm going to look at this from a realistic perspective." Ryan McMahon Garrett Hampson. Yeah, I I'm not saying they're do better. I, I would argue they're not as talented as Brendan Rodgers, but they're there. And until there's a clarity or an injury or something else, it is, it is such a cluster. Now, if no one Arenado got moved tomorrow, I would change my entire opinion about Brandon Rodgers. He would rock it up in a lot of drafts of mine because getting him every day at bats in Colorado at second base or third base, wherever else he could slot him in, that would be a huge game changer. So I agree with you. Theoretically, it should be Rodgers, but I'm trying to look practically. And they've also, let's be honest, Ian Desmond hasn't worked. Tapia has been disappointing. But this Sam Hilliard kid last year did some work. Um, you know, he had 1,000 OPS in 27 games for Colorado last year at the end of the year. I know it's PCL, but he had a good year in the PCL before that. He had 35 bombs at 101 RBI in 126 games. I know it's PCL, so it's a giant, giant grain of salt. However... The year before in the fall league, get it 328 with a 900 OPS over those 16 games in the fall league at double A the year before, you know, struggled a little bit. But I think you could look at some injuries he had there in double A that year. But because he plays in Colorado, if he should get more everyday at bats, if this works out for him, Hilliard might be one of these guys people are running to the waiver wire to pick up if he has a hot April. Because I think he's that kind of a player. And he's also left-handed, which means if he does fall into a platoon situation, he's going to be on the strong side of that platoon. So he's a guy to keep an eye on at the very least. Yeah, and and I'm familiar with him. Um, I think that there's a strong chance that he and Rodgers and McMahon and Hampson all play if the Rockies would just do the right thing and tear this thing down. There's just no reason to do anything else. Right. But they send you these mixed signals constantly. And signing Trevor Story is another reason. Look, that's the right thing to do. But that's well, another. Well, that was more an arbitration issue, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, That's right, more like could, buying out but, another year of arbitration so you don't but, go to court with your guy. But they could move them <laughs> now. They could, they could cash in now. Listen, there's a lot of people who feel like they should have cashed in on Blackman and traded him. Instead, they extended Oh, I, uh, I'm i I'm, I'm big hands up on that. Like, I don't understand what we're waiting for. Blackman's a nice player. But at his age, how have they not cashed that chip in? Especially when you have a bunch of guys that could potentially fill that void. I know I, that that was the more puzzling than anything to me with the Rockies is the, how Charlie Blackman's still on that team, Craig. I don't get it. I don't understand why. I, I think I think what we've learned is that we just don't understand what the Rockies are doing. <laughs> they don't understand what they're doing. Who's a more valuable asset, Trevor Story or Nolan Arenado? Go. 
Uh, Arenado still. Still? Okay. Yeah. It's close, Defen- though. De- well, fantasy may be story, but defensively, you, you can't rule. You know, I mean, he's a phenomenal defensive player. Uh, okay. Uh what else? Where where do you want to go? Which team? Well, you think, you, you, wherever you want to go. You want to go to Arizona? You want to go to the Dodgers? You want to go to San Diego? Where do you want to drive to today? Where do you want to start? Okay. Well, the Dodgers is very easy. It's Gavin Lux. I mean, that's it. It is. Right? And, then, you know, you know, it doesn't have to be a rocket scientist to, to know this one. No, he's Gavin- the best, best offensive prospect. They still have a ton coming to uh, more prospects in the minors, pitchers. But yeah, it's I think it's a matter of what's our realistic expectation for drafting Gavin Lux. I think that's that's what we have to understand. Like, what are we going to get out of him at 22 years old going into a full season? And I think if you go look at the minor league track record for him, I know he had 23 games last year with the with the big club. And that's good to get a little, you know, get your feet wet a little bit. Uh, Take out those triple A numbers. Let's go to the double A numbers because they're always a better outlier. I mean, uh, uh, indication, excuse me. So 313. 375, 521 slash. That's pretty darn good. Yeah. He's got power. You know, he had 13 home runs in those 64 games. So I think if you get a 15 10 season with a 275 batting average, that's a good bet on Lux in his first full year. Anything over that is gravy. So I think in redraft leagues, be careful because there's a lot of guys out there with that statistical profile. They're going to cost you less money potentially than Gavin Lux. So in a way, I feel like the name brand and the fact that he plays for the Dodgers kind of hurts his value this year in 2020 leagues. Whereas some other guys, if I laid that statistical profile, you go, oh yeah, I can get that, you know, round 12 or 13 or something like that. Lux, you're going to have to spend more money on. And I think that's something you have to make that decision. Maybe I'm wrong. Do you think I'm wrong? Do you believe Gavin Lux can be that guy that goes well above that because of the support in that lineup? I mean, the Dodgers have a very strong track record of these players. Succeeding. They sure do. It's Bellinger, really Muncie, you know, but they also have the Jock Petersons of the world, too, that well, Peterson was lived. very effective at the beginning. Corey Seager was very effective at the beginning. Well, Seager, and I think Seager's, you know, Seager story has been injuries, you know, I think it has. Kind of I, I, I would not bet against Lux. I could see him hitting 20 home runs this year. I would think that that's I think that's the up. The upside is the 2080 season. I think the realistic bid is the 1575 season. Could be, you know. Okay, um, the Padres have a lot of choices here. Tatis could get to that next level for sure. I think. Yeah, I think he's there already. Like I can't even get. Probably is. I I can't even put him in that potential breakout. I think he already broke out last year. I think it's. I think. (laughs) I think we missed that. There's yeah. There's there's. uh, They have a lot of nice young players. There's a lot of pressure on this team this year to win. There is, and I'll tell you what. I'm looking at Lamet and Denelson Lamet, who I know he's a very trendy fantasy name. Very trendy. But I think it's the right. It's the right. It's the right trend to bet on. Uh, I don't know how many shares I'm going to have because I'm not going to fight for him. But I think when you look at that strikeout rate and you see a 12K per nine, it's very eye-popping. Now, he still walks too many guys. still has some control issues. But when you see a 27-year-old guy that's got such an electric arm and the ability to put hitters away, it's very tantalizing. It's very hard not to get excited about him. And the rest of this rotation here for the Padres, you know, it's it's... Paddock, who I think also broke out already last year. Um, you mentioned earlier um, who's the Mackenzie Gore, who yeah. could very well get seen this year. Lucchese's been a a guy that I think you you can win Joey Lucchese starts. Is that like a good way of putting yeah, it? Yeah, he had a hot start and then cooled he off. Did. And then, you know, he's like, he's okay. But statistic he's like, profile he's like wise. like SP4 in your fantasy team. You know? Yeah, four or five. I, as as a, when you look at when you dig into his statistical profile, Lucchese doesn't really pop for me. No, but Lamette because of that K per nine, man, it, it's hard to. He ignore. does, but he's super hittable too. I'm I'm surprised that he's he's risen so much on a lot of. I, look, I 
I broke the story when he got called up the first time on Denelson Lamed. I had him on all my teams before. What, in 2017? Yeah. It wasn't hittable in 2017. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I mean, I'm just not, I just, I just am not sure that, that he should be going as high as he is. I don't know. I just, well, I, I probably won't end up in 2017. Him. We're just 6.9 last year. It was 7.6, but look, I, I think that when you think of the age and you think of the potential here, there's there's the opportunity to really get in on the ground floor of a guy who could be a difference maker in fantasy. The problem is he's a popular choice. So you have to pay the premium dollar for that potential. And that's not always the case. You know, a guy like Hilliard we just talked about, he's free. <laughs> you know, that's a that's a totally different world you're living in. Gavin Lux, not free. Denelson Lamette, not free. But sometimes it's the right answer. Like Keston Hira, not free last year, but a good, a damn good player. And then a lot of people got freaked out when he came up and got sent down. Everyone's like, what happened? Why? And everybody in the Brewers went, what happened? Why? I feel, didn't Lorenzo Kane basically say that too? Like, he's like, well, I don't understand. <laughs> Come back. So I think Lamette's one of these guys that the potential's there. So you have to be aware of it. And if for some reason you're in a league where he slips through the crack a little bit, I think that's where you, you jump on the, the value. I think you do. All right. And uh, final team is Arizona. A team really all of a sudden that's built to win now again. You wouldn't have thought that, but they, they really kind of are, Joe. Um, if yeah, I had getting to- the last year, getting rid of Goldschmidt, could you imagine where we are at the beginning of this year and how like dour and down this organization seemed and now where we are a year later? Tom Garner, Cole Calhoun, they made some really nice moves. They have uh, Cattell Marte. He was clearly a breakout last year. Um, I could see another level for Carson Kelly. That would That's going to be a catcher that I'm going to target this year. Yeah, Kelly was number two on this list for me, but I'm going to go with Luke Weaver. 12 starts last year, 294 ERA. Um, He was the piece that was the guy in this deal that you wanted. And another guy, good strikeout to walk ratio, low walks per nine. Um, Those are things to me for young pitchers that I always look for when I'm trying to, you know, decipher. And I think that this is a team on the rise. And I think when you add a bum garner to a rotation, it just takes a big pressure off everybody else. And I'll tell you what, I think there's a lot more attention on Zach Gallon this year than there is on Luke Weaver. I think there's more attention on Weaver last year. And now going into this year, I think everyone's talking about Gallon and Bumgarner and that allows Weaver to kind of relax and just do his thing. And I think if he does, you're looking at a guy who could probably go 160 innings or somewhere in that range this year and be a really nice fantasy starter for the ADP. So that's another name to keep an eye on, especially when everyone else is taking Gallon. I think you can get a Luke Weaver and be very happy and get a pitcher who might be at the end of the day, it's not hard to believe he could actually have a better season. Yeah, not for me. Uh, I'm a little worried about Weaver. I'm not never really loved him, and the injuries scare me a little bit. It's got some potential. Yeah, that 307 injury. FIP was pretty good last year. That looks no, like a good pitcher to me. No injury concerns at all with him? Of course, you know, injury this concerns all over here. Not like him. Not like him. No, I, I, I get it, but I don't know. I think Luke Weaver is one of these assets that could really surprise you. I'll disagree, but that's what we're here to do is not agree on everything. We will take a quick time out. We will end our show coming up next with the two-minute warning. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. 
Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. We're going to end the show as we always do with the two-minute warning. The two-minute warning. Two minutes, get your sh- together. Is that going to be enough time? Well, clearly we're going to end the show today with the final uh, tribute here on this Monday to the passing of Kobe Bryant, uh, NBA legend, champion in the NBA, uh, father of four, husband as well, and a son to uh, parents. A just tragic story that has captivated the world and uh, does just kind of go to show you here a little bit how short life is. You just never know. And by all accounts, Kobe Bryant on that helicopter. I know people are going to be scared of going on helicopters now because that's just the way the way that we live, and it's natural. But he had gone on hundreds and hundreds of trips on uh, that helicopter and some others as well. Uh, it's just you never know when your time is going to come. You never know when fate is out of your hands. And indeed, that is certainly the case without getting into too many further details with Kobe Bryant. We just hope that his family is at peace. We hope that he is at peace. And certainly for those people who are huge fans of him, and in and around the game of the NBA, we hope that they can find peace as well in a very difficult time for sure. All right, that'll do it for the program. Thanks again to our producer, Sean Glastamaki, and also Chris Bavona. For my co-host, Joe Pizzapia, I am Craig Mish. Coming up next, it is full-time fantasy. We'll be back with you tomorrow, noon Eastern, some more uh, Super Bowl props, predictions, things of that nature, and a lot of fantasy baseball discussion. Hope you guys have a great Monday. We'll talk to you tomorrow at noon. Talk to you then. See you.